So this morning I want to talk to you about why I believe the church is exempt from the wrath of God. John 3.36 says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. God's wrath remains on him. The Bible says that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and those who reject will not have life, for God's wrath remains on him. I believe, you believe in the Son of God. Now, we as children of God, we don't have the wrath of God on us. And so I believe, just like 1 Thessalonians, and this is an important verse, so if you want to turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, the history of this church, this is probably one of the first letters that Paul is writing, and he's writing this to a very young church. He's writing this to a church that is, you know, just been established by Paul and Timothy and Silas, these guys. They're there, and, and, and they're not there for long, but this is a brand new church. And he's writing this letter to them so that he would give them instructions. And the, the, the coming of the Lord is on their mind. It's on their mind. And so he uses Thessalonians to help teach this. And in verse 16 of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 16, it says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive are left and will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So and so we will be with the Lord forever. The Bible says, Paul is telling us that we are going to be caught up with the Lord in the air. This isn't the second coming. This isn't where we see in Revelation 19, Jesus comes and he establishes his kingdom and we and the saints are there and helping out establish this kingdom and he is going to reign for a thousand years. This isn't it because Jesus comes to earth. Here in Thessalonians, Paul is telling them, listen, Jesus is coming and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Those who are dead are going to be caught up in the air with the Lord and we will be transformed. We will be given the, a new glorified body. We will be given a body that will be able to live eternally with the Lord, eternally with him. This theme is also repeated in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul is telling the church, listen, we are waiting for something that can happen at any moment. We will be caught up in the air with him. And in a twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed and renewed. And we will have the ability to live eternally with the Lord forever. I'm looking forward to that. And that's what we would call the rapture. That's where Jesus comes back for the church and he raptures the church. I explained this last week because the word rapture is not found in the Bible. Neither is the word Trinity or Bible or rapture. These words help define, help, help shape our understanding of what's going on here. And the reason why we use the word rapture is because it comes from the Latin translation of the Greek New Testament. And when here in Thessalonians 4.17, Paul says that we will be caught up together. That is the word that he uses, the rapture word that we get from English. So we will be raptured with Christ. 
we will be caught up with him. The second coming is about Jesus returning with his armies and establishing a kingdom for a thousand years. And this is what Isaiah also referenced to. Isaiah chapter 2. In the last days, now notice Isaiah says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains and it will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God or Jacob, and he will teach us these ways so we will walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between the nations and settle disputes for many people, and they will beat their swords with plowshares and their spears with pruning hooks. Nations will not take up a sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. This is only possible if Jesus is in control, because how many know that even little kids know how to fight with each other? You know, we didn't, we did a real good job. We, we convinced our kids that it was, you know, not good to fight and they mostly listened. You know, they mostly listened, but kids learn how to fight with each other. You know, kids learn how to, to, uh, to fight over things. Um, I just introduced my kids to a thing called the Super Bowl. You remember those little bouncy balls, those things you bounce and they go forever? And so, so they're, they're, you know, this is brand new to them. And we also bought the game Jacks, you know, where you put those metal things down and you step on them and you ask God, why did you invent such a wicked thing? <laughs> we should get lawn darts too. What a terrible thing to have a metal spear flying in the air towards somebody. Anyways, we, we got these Super Bowls, right? And, uh, and Lily, she's just out there just bouncing these things out crazy and Ellie is saying wait a minute these need to be precious don't mess with them even they start to argue and fuss but here Isaiah says that there will be there will be peace and they will not trade for war anymore because Jesus is in charge okay so this is the the rapture the reason why um, Jesus is coming back for us why I believe it that it's going to happen before the tribulation so why do I believe that well first of all I believe that we are exempt from wrath because of salvation we are exempt from what is about to happen because of the salvation that we have romans 5 says this since we have been now been justified by his blood how much more shall we be saved from god's wrath through him remember john we opened up with chapter 3 verse 36 that we believe in the son of god we've been saved and those who do not accept him they will continue to be under God's wrath. We are not under God's wrath. We have been saved, Romans tells us. The tribulation is all about God's wrath. Revelation 6 says this, The kings of the earth, the princes and the general, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide from the face Hide from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? I want to ask you this. Does this sound like the church? Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Does it sound like us? No. The Bible tells us that we are going to be look and hear the trumpet and the angel call and we will see Jesus in the clouds and we will go to him. We're not going to look at him and say, whoa, whoa, hide. Let's hide, guys. Hide us from him. No. It's a glorious day for the rapture. But then after that, through the tribulation, it's going to be a completely different story. No one will escape the wrath of God during the tribulation. 
No one will escape it. And that's why they say, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. But we have been saved by Jesus Christ. And the Bible says to us once again in Romans 5, 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, by Jesus' blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? I believe that we are exempt from the tribulation because of salvation. This is the benefit. This is the reward. This is the protection that we have. We have been saved. And because of that, we are no longer in line for God's wrath. I believe that we are exempt from wrath, but not from suffering. I believe we are exempt from the wrath of God, but not from suffering. James 1 tells us, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. Later on in verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Romans 8.35 tells us, Whoever is, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for, for we... Um, for your sake, we face death all day long. We consider as sheep to be to the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him who loves us. The suffering and the persecution and the trials and the tribulations that we face are the natural result of a fallen world. And it is the natural result of an enemy who hates you, who hates you. You know, the Bible says that the devil wants to come and steal kill and destroy that does not sound like a friend to me that does not sound like someone who has their best interest in you and jesus even told us that if the world hates you keep in mind it hated me first so we live in a world where there are, we are going to experience suffering but we will not experience the wrath of god we have been saved and we have been saved from his wrath so i believe we are exempt because of salvation. I believe we are exempt from wrath, but not from suffering. I also believe that we are exempt from wrath because of what the scripture tells us. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says this, and to wait for his son from heaven, who is raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. 1 Thessalonians 1, like I said, this church had a lot of things on their mind, and one of the things that they had on their mind was the coming of the Lord. And they must have been scared. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if I miss the rapture? What if, what if Jesus doesn't come back and find me? And he's saying, listen, we wait for his son from heaven, whom he is raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I don't know about you, but this sounds pretty good. This sounds pretty good that we have been rescued and we will be rescued from the coming wrath. What coming wrath is Paul talking about? He's talking about the great tribulation, the great day of the Lord that is coming. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says this, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 once again says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Yes, we will suffer. Yes, we will go through tri trials and tribulations and difficult things. But we are not designed because of the salvation of Jesus to suffer the wrath because of we have received salvation through Jesus Christ. This is the blessed hope, knowing that Jesus has saved us from the coming wrath and will rapture us and we will meet him in the air.
we will meet him in the air. Listen, life isn't going to be perfect, but the scripture promises us that we will be saved from the coming wrath. He promises us that because we have received salvation, we have, are protected from God's wrath that he will pour out. And here's the thing, guys. Either you believe the Bible or you don't. Either you take it at face value or you don't. You know, we, we hear in school all the time, billions and billions of years ago, God, or billions and billions of years ago, we, you know, this little thing that out of nothing exploded and we got the Big Bang and, and we believe the evolution and they teach evolution and, you know, we all come from monkeys and I always say that's just my wife's side of the family, not mine. But, you know, we, you know, we've evolved, we come over these things, looks like I'm cooking dinner today. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we evolve over time and all this. But we read in Scripture that that is clearly not what God says. And we know and we teach our kids, hey, we believe that God created the earth in six, seven days. On six days and then on seventh day he rested. We believe that God created the earth. Our earth isn't billions and billions of years ago. God created. He brought this into existence. This is what we believe. So we believe that, not what the science say. say scientists say it's true, but we believe God's word. So if we're willing to believe God's word about creation, if we're willing to believe God's word about salvation and what Jesus Christ has done, why aren't we willing to believe what the Bible tells us, that we have been saved from God's wrath? That's what Scripture tells us, 1 Thessalonians 5.9. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. He did not appoint us, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, that we wait for Jesus coming, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Believe Scripture. That's why I believe that we are exempt from wrath. Also, I believe that we are exempt from the wrath of God because of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important because this is why one of the most, the most important reasons why I believe that we are exempt from the wrath of God. Daniel 9.27 says this, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, and in the middle of the seven he will put an end to the sacrifice and offerings and the wing of the temple he will set, set up the abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now this is a seven year tribulation that Daniel's talking about where the Antichrist will come. He will make this covenant with all the world. They, they'll put all their, their hope in him and he, he will bring peace to the earth for three and a half years. And in the middle of that he's going to break it. He's going to turn on them and he is going to kill and, and torture all those who won't receive his mark and uh, but then you know everything at the end is going to be defeated ezekiel talks about this 38 verse 8 in the future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of israel which had long ago desolated they had been brought out of the nations and now um, all of them will live in safety. So peace is going to happen for three and a half years. And then in the middle of seven, Ezekiel says this, verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day's thought will come in your mind and you will uh, devise an evil scheme. And you will say, I will invade the land of unwalled villages. I will attack peaceful and, and unsuspecting people and all of them without walls and without gates and bars. So the Antichrist is going to set up this moment of peace. And, 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 you know, when things are good, you really don't pay attention a whole lot. But isn't that just like the enemy? When things are good for you, you know, it seems like things, you know, you can kind of relax a little bit. You don't have to worry so much. You don't have to pray so much. You don't have to, to, to spend much time with God because things are good. 
But then that's when the devil will come and, and try to make you vulnerable. And that's why you always must keep your guard up, always must keep your, your spiritual awareness alive. But the question is, has the Antichrist already come? Has the Antichrist already come? 2 Thessalonians tells us this in chapter 2. Concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecies or reports or letters supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, a man doomed to destruction, and he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God and is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So Paul is saying, listen, don't, don't worry about people saying that he's already come and all this, because he's going to come, he is going to oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God, and he is going to be worshipped, and he is going to proclaim himself as God. Now there are people in our world that proclaim themselves to be God. There are a lot of false prophets, absolutely. But the Bible clearly says, Paul says, don't let anyone deceive you for the day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So there needs to be a revealing of this Antichrist. Revelation 13, 7 tells us this, that the Antichrist was given power to make war against the saints, not the church, the saints, and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Now listen, Revelation 13, 7 tells us something very specific about the Antichrist. And I know I'm going through a lot of scripture, but I want to just give you kind of a general view of here what's going on. The Antichrist, verse 7, chapter 13 of Revelation, was given power to make war against the saints. And I, I mentioned early, this isn't the church, but he was given power or to make war against the saints and to conquer them. I want to ask you, when in Scripture do we see that the church will be conquered by the devil? We don't see that. That's exactly opposite of what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, Matthew, and Matthew 16 says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, who this was not revealed to you by man, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you this, I tell you, Peter, that on the rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus tells Peter, listen, all of the things may be plowing against you and all hell may be trying to overcome you, but it will never overcome you. And yet in Revelations 13, it says that the Antichrist was given power to make war against the saints. And this is why they're not the church, because the church still has the name of Jesus. The church still has the power and the authority that he has in us. And why do we have that power in us? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. It is the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. It is the same spirit that allows us to be more than conquerors. The Antichrist isn't going to conquer the church. He can't because the Holy Spirit is with us. 2 Thessalonians continues chapter 2 verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back. He's talking about the Antichrist, the, law, the lawless one. And you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time, for the secret power of the lawlessness is already at work, 
But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawlessness will will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil deceives those who are perishing and the perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. So here Paul is saying, listen, there's something holding him back from being revealed at this moment and you know who it is. You know who it is. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives in us repels. There's no way the Antichrist can conquer the church. There's no way that the devil can conquer the church. You know, sometimes, so many times we, we put the devil as this great opposite of God. You know, we think of opposite, up and down, left and right. What's the opposite of God? And people automatically say the devil. The devil's not an opposite of God. He is a created angel that has fallen and that's why he has to masquerade that's why he has to pretend that's why he puffs himself up to scare you because he is not all-powerful he does not have authority do you remember the story of job he comes up and devil's having a bad day because he can't find anyone to torture or to, to make their life chaotic and and god says have you seen my servant job and And Satan says, listen, I can't do anything to Job. So why don't you give me some leeway and let me me get him sick and let me take away his family, let me do these things. And God says, that's fine, but don't take his life. God set parameters even on Satan's ultimate and his destructive plans. God always sets parameters. That's why greater is the one who's in us than the one who is in the world. This is what 1 John 4 tells us. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, the one who, um, let me just read it, verse 1 here, chapter chapter 4, 1 John. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. This is how we know that you can, uh, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming and even is already here in the world. John says, listen, people who deny that Jesus Christ was born here on earth, died, rose again, they're not from God. Those spirits are not from God. And that is the spirit of the Antichrist. And that spirit is already here because there are so many people who deny Jesus Christ. That spirit is already here. But you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And because the Holy Spirit lives inside of the church, lives inside of us as the body of Christ, we hold back the one who will be revealed. So why all of a sudden will the lawless man be able to conquer? Why will the Antichrist be able to rule over all the nations and the tribes and every language? Why will he have his free reign and do what he wants to the saints and those who reject his his mark? Why can he have this power? Because the church is gone. Because Jesus came. And in a twinkling of an eye, we met him in the, in the air and we are taken to heaven. And because of that, because of that, he is revealed. I'm not trying to tell you that life is going to be easy. 
I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to tell you that you don't have to worry about suffering because those things are real and those things happen. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you can expect persecution and suffering to be a part of it. But what, the way I like to look at it is this way. When it comes to the wrath of God, that's not us. We've been saved. But when it comes to suffering and when it comes to the hardships that we face, I like to think of the way Jesus entered the wilderness on his 40-day fast. The Bible says this, that Jesus was full of the Spirit and he was led out into the wilderness. Jesus was full of the Spirit and he was led out into a place of the unknown. I don't know what happens in your life. I don't know what's going to happen around the corner. I don't know what's going to happen in, in, in what problems and circumstances you are going to face i don't know but i do know this that if you're full of the spirit that there is a greater work inside of you than you can even imagine and as long as you keep on being full of the spirit he will guide you through all of those trials all of those hardships just a couple years ago at this time we are arriving in florida in our 2002 rusty suburban and we're pulling up and we're getting ready to take the family to Disneyland Disney World and and we're we're all excited because this is something my wife she wanted to do one last trip one last vacation as a family before Pete goes off to college and before we start having those opportunities and so this trip was a, a perfect trip everything fell together literally at the last minute even down to being able to buy ice cream for the kids because we had all of our meals planned. We had everything packed up. We had everything according. And we were blessed right at the last minute with, with, the, uh, with some cash to go out to eat and do the things. And everything was on a tight schedule. But it happened, and it was great. But what I didn't realize was that when we got back from Florida, the wall, the, the floor would fall out from underneath our feet. And we would go through the worst experience we have ever gone through in 2019. Didn't know that was coming. But I do know this, that because we were full of the Spirit of God, and because we trusted and believed His Word, and we knew that suffering and, and trials and all those things were real, but there's something greater inside of us. And as long as you're willing to listen and to follow and to trust and to believe, he's going to get you through any difficult moment you ever face. He's right there with you. And that's the beauty. That's the blessed hope that no matter what this life may throw at us, he's coming back. And we are not a part of his wrath, but he's coming back and we will be saved and from the wrath that is going to come. So this morning, I challenge you, just stay close to the Lord. Get close to Him. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, just keep close to Him, and He will guide you through every difficult situation.